0: Greetings. Welcome back to the Cape Lead Revolution. This is Chachi on the road yet again, only this time traveling from Colorado Springs up to Joint Base Lewis McCord in Washington to, uh, to partake in a pretty fun week. It is both the yearly TACP challenge that we call Lightning Challenge. It's a competition of about 20, 20, 25 teams or so from all around the world to see uh, who has the best skills as a TACP, which is my old career field in the United States Air Force. And then we follow that up with our, our TACP Association annual reunion, which is pretty cool because not only does it give uh, the TACPs a chance to get together both past and present, but also it's kind of our way to celebrate our Gold Star families and the families of all of our teammates who've been killed. We fly them in uh, and uh, and just have a good great week. Let them see the progression of the career field that their husband uh, so proudly served. And again, it's just husband right now. You know, we have uh, females as TACP officers right now, so uh, maybe one day we won't say husband, but uh, but in the meantime, that's that's kind of all, all we have. But, but what, I, what I wanted to talk about today was, I was going through, I'm getting ready to, to switch out phones, and I uh, transferring some of my notes over, and I have a running list of podcast topics that I jot down. And this is born of my amazing circle of friends. And the great conversation that I get to have with them, whether they agree or disagree, whether they see things similarly or completely different or they completely agree, whatever it is, it, it sparks great conversation. And the cool part is, is that while I've chosen leadership, uh, hopefully is my profession for the rest of my life, where I can continue to go around and, and teach, mold, and, uh, and, and inspire people. You know, I, I get around my friend and the, the conversation naturally turns that way. And it's not because this is what I do, but it's something that, that we as, as professionals care about in our profession of arms is taking care of our teammates and making sure we're doing the right things. And so uh, I, I was talking to both uh, now Chief Master Sergeant Jason Minders and, uh, and my old, old friend from uh, my initial entry in the United States Air Force, now Major Chris Deaver. Know, just just have good thought-provoking conversation and you know, we're talking about how we can care for people you know how we can align our actions and our words to make sure that we're achieving success as an organization and then helping others achieve that success but you know what, what, what kind of came down to is a concept that I talked about with with emotions and and or, or the phrase if you're gonna get feedback or something bad happens and somebody says nothing personal and the bad part to nothing personal is that it is for the most part violently personal and you know for the people who work in our organizations and definitely inside the military it's not not unique to the air force but if you have people who purposefully joined an organization who are willing to put their lives on the line I think that's going to take some special consideration and you know, when, when you say these things is that you, you may make a business decision, but believe me, the effects are personal, whether you want it or not, whether that's your end state or not, it is definitely personal. And, and, you know, people say, you know, it's not, nothing personal. Well, no, it is because again, we want passionate people working in our organizations, people who are passionate about their teammates, passionate about the organization, and passionate about the job and/or mission that they have to do. And the thing that I've said for years is, is if you want these passionate people, a byproduct of that is going to be emotion. And and while that may manifest itself in some bad ways from time to time, it is a human reaction. If you're going to be passionate about something, and if somebody's passionate about something, and you give them negative feedback or it's bad or you say, hey, it's nothing personal, it's personal to that person because they are in fact choosing this course of action. They're, they're choosing this life. They're, they're choosing that occupation. They are choosing that endeavor and it is personal to them. If they're going to put their lives on the line, that's personal. If they're gonna spend months away from their family and friends in a cause that they believe in, that is very, very personal. And if we can't understand that, that inside that construct or that context, that, you know, anything that you do is going to be personal, then I think we've lost grasp on how we want to communicate with our workforce, with our teammates, because it is 100% definitely personal for the people who are involved and who endeavor to do something different and something better. And, in. And so, so that, that kind of came up a, a couple different times in a couple different ways in, in, in some of the conversations with, with some of our, our leaders and teammates and, and how we understand that. And then, you know, the, the other part is, you know, I have, uh, you know, I talk to people about my chicken breast analogy about being wrong is that, you know, if you can't admit, you know, if you're having a conversation and or if you're having an event and something goes wrong, if you can't look, And see that you could have done better somewhere along the way. Where I would tell you that 99 times out of 100, you could have done better. If you can't acknowledge that, then I liken right and wrong to having somebody eating raw chicken. Because if you came over to my house for dinner. And again, if you listen to my podcast, you've heard this analogy before. If you come over and I make you a nice chicken breast on the grill. And you cut into this chicken breast and the outside is perfect it's golden it's seasoned just right you know look a little bit crispy on the outside and you cut into it and you can see that in the middle of this chicken breast is completely raw like that gross pinkish purplish color of, of raw chicken and you know if you can see this and you can see that this chicken breast is 51% cooked would you eat it and that answer is no because that is absolutely gross as shit but I liken this to a conversation or our understanding of right and wrong is this chicken breast analogy. Because, you know, if I if I cook you a piece of chicken that's 51% cooked, and you say and you say, hey, hey, Chachi, it's it's raw in the middle here. I was like, no, 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 trust me, it's okay. It's 51% cooked. And you say, no, you you don't you don't get it. The middle here is raw. I'm like, but it's more cooked than it isn't cooked. So, you know, chow down. No one would ever do that. Because again, that's just completely gross. But why, when it comes to our understanding of right and wrong, the minute I'm 51% right, that I can say, no, 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 I'm I'm right. I'm more right than wrong. And then rarely, if ever, do we teach people to understand how we can articulate or how we can have a conversation about the 49% of raw that I brought to the conversation, that 49% of wrong that I brought to the event. But can I, as a leader, understand that wrongness, that, that raw chicken, and admit where I'm wrong? We don't teach people to do that. And, you know, along, along the lines of that, because you've heard me say chicken breast before, but here's, here's another key aspect to that is uh, apologies. And if you've never really thought about uh, apologies, this, this is probably a good one. Because uh, one day when I was messing around, I was retaking the five love languages test. And you at a quick Google search, you can look up five love languages, go there, and you can take the five love languages test. But there's a couple other tests that you can take there. One of those being like the apology test. And it gives you several different situations in each question that they ask you. And it comes down to how you like being apologized to. And the weird thing here is that for the people that I've had work for me take that test, it is normally the same. Because, you know, people don't need to make amends. All they, you know, most people want, you know, number one or no, no, number two or number two or number one is, number one, admit wrongdoing and show remorse. That's that's normally all people want when when they, they want an, an apology. But here's the thing. Uh, the, the phrase that, that we started back in Kuwait uh, was, private apologies don't count. And... You know, I can't remember the, the situation or circumstance that it happens in <clears throat> but what I've seen before time and time again is this happens during staff meetings where somebody says one thing and the other person's like no, that, that isn't right and they shut him down immediately and then come to find out that the first person who spoke was absolutely right and that second person comes up and apologizes and say, "Hey, I'm sorry. I I, I shouldn't have done that. That was that, that was wrong with me," which is good, like which is really really good. But realistically, at the end of the day, it doesn't make that person whole because that person didn't apologize in the same room where the offense was created, and rarely does that happen. So what should happen is that the very next staff meeting, when it's the you know person B's term to, time to talk, we'll say, "Hey." Last, last week, I, uh, I kind of cut down Ted, you know, in, this, uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the staff meeting by saying he was wrong. Uh, as it turns out, he was not wrong. And I, I was wrong. And so, so Ted, I, I apologize. I, I, I spoke out of turn. I spoke uh, without having the requisite information. And uh, I, I kind of insulted you along the way. And I'm sorry for that. That is a good apology. That is a good public apology. Because, again, the offense was committed in public. The apology should be given in public as well, but I'm not sure, you know, in, in realistically up until that time in my career, which is at you know, granted at the very tail end of my career, I'd never thought about how I apologize to people. I never thought about what processes there were, what different ways they were, what I could do to kind of, kind of make them whole again. That's really all, all somebody needs. And I'm not sure if you've been that person who's been cut down in public and the guy apologizes later. And, you, you know, granted you're probably thankful for the apology, but at the same time it doesn't take away the fact that they just, you know, in, uh, in a common terminology, just put you on blast in front of everybody because, you know, you're, you know you're, you're a professional and you would expect people to do that. And, or if the situation came up again, perhaps person B can pull you aside after the staff meeting and be like, "Hey." I think the information that you have for what you presented is wrong. Do you know where, where you got that information? And give person A an opportunity to explain themselves and show them before it becomes a point of contention or disagreement in public. Because that ends up being tough. Because when we go, again, when we go to these staff meetings, it's, you know, we want to talk about the mission, and get it done right. But to, say to, to go to that meeting and, and think that it's not personal, it's very personal because these people are sacrificing a lot of time and energy to help this organization find success, to help their unit find success. And they're there to brief the health and welfare of their organization or their part in it and, you know, figure out, let everyone know what's going right and uh, what's going wrong and have a conversation about it. But when you stand up or you cut somebody off and you contradict them, and, and, and a lot of times that I've seen is we have no basis to know one way or the other. Because, you know, in the military, you know, we, there's uh, things that we can do for redundancy. We have backups, but we need to let our specialists be specialists too. And so when we have the leaders of different units come in there and brief, they are, in fact, the subject matter experts for those units. And so they should be the one to speak intelligently about what's going on. And again, you don't have to have And you, I'm sure we've all seen it in staff meetings where you know someone stands up like person B did in this case and co- contradicts them. But then person A can fire right back. It's like, well, no. In fact, this is true because of blah, 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 blah. And then you kind of, you know, you have that, that really contentious point. Then all of a sudden there's a little bit of stress and drama in the room. And that makes for a very unfortunate staff meeting. But it's our understanding of right and wrong and our understanding of how we treat people in regards to right and wrong and apologies, that's really gonna help shape and create a culture inside our organization that's gonna help people find success. Because I've been in units where my boss was completely open to feedback, where he was completely open with, to the free flow and exchange of ideas and interpretations and thought process and it's, it's been absolutely great. I've also been in those units where that leader will not take any input and they are absolutely 100% right, 100% of the time. And without fail, the comments for that second leader were always, man, they, they can be such a great person, but they just do not allow for feedback. They think that everything that they do is right 100% of the time and that's the most fury, infuriating thing I've ever been a part of and I have more trust, faith, and confidence in the leader who can sit down and be like, oh man, I thought this was right, and uh, this this was not right. So we did not get it right, but here's where we didn't get it right, and here's where I contributed to us not hitting it right, and here's where I think we can move forward and learn from this and make sure that, that this this doesn't happen again. I mean get like in a great you know I I see things on a lot of memes and, and I do leadership research on a daily basis and one of my favorite quotes that that, that I keep seeing is you know like this, this this isn't this isn't pass or fail, you know, when it comes to leadership and trying to find success. It's like, you know, I either succeed or I learn. And it's not a, a success or failure type of thing. Because if you have the presence of mind to endure, it can never be a failure. Now you may have a setback. And if, if you get knocked down and you quit doing what you're doing right then, yes, that does in fact solidify that action or that event as a failure. But it's kind of what we were talking about this weekend. If you have the presence of mind to persevere and continue past that failure and you endeavor to do better and evolve and grow and succeed, you can instantly, and I mean instantly, turn that failure into a setback if and only if you have the presence of mind to do so so the point for today is we have to be human we have to communicate rarely are we 100% right, rarely are we 100% wrong and we as leaders do we have the cognitive capacity to understand that we're dealing with human beings and human beings are fallible and all it takes is just one little split second for something to to go awry for completely understandable reasons completely understandable reasons and if we don't see that those that just a, a small little twist to a circumstance or an event that you've done over and over and over and over and over again that one little twist can screw up everything if people don't sit back, analyze and realize that hey while we think at face value this is an identical situation that we've done thousands of times before, if we don't question our presented reality and think that, hey, there's a little bit of a twist here, we need to give this some second thought, then we could, we could be opening up the door for catastrophe. And then, you know, when we lead, when we talk, we need to understand that that to a lot of people, you know, what you're saying isn't personal. Perhaps your policies aren't personal. But their appearance, their attendance inside your organization is personal. 100%. Because they're devoting the vast majority of their time while they're awake to your organization. Where they could be, you know, spending time with family and friends. I get that other people have to work, but it doesn't mean that they have to work there. And they could work somebody somewhere else um, where they're appreciated, where they're understood, where they're allowed to be human they're allowed to express their feelings, where they're allowed to openly communicate, have some respectful dissent. Again, dissent isn't bad. It just becomes problematic when it's not delivered in a, you know, team-building type of way. Because you just cut down people all the time, or as I was talking about, or as I've said before, is, you know, if you're always the devil's advocate, you're not a devil's advocate anymore. You are, in fact, an asshole. And... We need to talk. We need to communicate because this is personal to a lot of people. And when we get things right, we need to apologize to these people. But if we offend them in public, we need to apologize in public. Again, the quote here is private apologies don't count. So think about this for yourselves. Have you been that person who's been wronged in public and apologized to in private and you still kind of hold a a small grudge because you were never made whole? And perhaps if it only happens once or twice, you're probably willing to, to forgive it. And, you know, you're just, again, appreciative that you did get the apology. But it happens time and time again. We're like, wow, you keep calling me out in public. You know, you, you, you keep raising the red flag in public, but yet you apologize in private. That shit's got to stop. You know, now hopefully we can have those conversations. And, you know, hopefully you've experienced that, but only in the, in the point I'm trying to make is that you can understand what I'm talking about. Now, hopefully you've never done that as a leader and shut somebody down, called them out in public and not apologized in public, but you, you, you probably have. I know I definitely have because nobody explained this to me. I had to figure this out on my own. And while I'm grateful for my journey and for this growth, I would have rather had somebody teach me this so that I didn't have to screw up along the way and lose some great teammates because I didn't treat them well, because I didn't communicate well. So I hope this uh, this struck a nerve. I I hope uh, you found this informative. I hope you can sit back and think about what you do in these circumstances when perhaps you disagree, when you have some respectful dissent, perhaps when you're wrong or when one of your teammates are, are wrong. Hopefully you can understand now or at least adjust your actions a little bit to make sure that you are promoting teamwork on all levels. So. As always, I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, I hope you're having a great week. Hope you're having a great weekend or week, wherever uh, and whenever you may be listening to this. I hope this finds you well. And this is Chachi again, as always, reminding you to educate, anticipate, and dominate. We'll talk to you later.